0: Two of the major themes I have for this entire podcast are, what does the Winchester House mean in itself, and what does it mean to the area around it? This is very much a locals podcast. Sorry, folks from the East Coast, and to the two listeners in Indonesia. One of the things that is interesting is how the architecture of the times had to compete with the... I don't want to say timeless, but because it's very timely. The Winchester House is very much of its time, of the end of the 19th, beginning of the 20th century, the Italianate, the Victorian. Uh, There's some Edwardian also aspects to it that people sort of miss. The 1906 earthquake stopped most construction. There seems to have been a little bit, because if you look at some of the photos, you'll notice some ornamentation, I guess, is the best way to put it, has changed, but not a ton. But what's interesting is in the mid-century modern movement, which really began around post-World War II, all the way up through probably the mid-70s. A huge amount of building happened in San Jose. Most of it's being torn down now, which is sad, because I love mid-century. As much as I love Victorian, I love mid-century, and both of them have the same pluses and minuses. But when the Winchester Estate area was no longer a park and they started to sell off the elements including the land that the century movie theaters and of course the bob's big boy came on there is a very important thing that happened the bob's big boy was one of the earliest examples of googie architecture here in san jose and that's really key you see that all over the place in la till to today there are several very significant googie Buildings that are standing, that just, they're shiny examples of their form. And Los Angeles is, in a lot of ways, the best example of mid century modern. It, and you could argue a lot of the things up and down El Camino between Palo Alto and South San Francisco would also qualify. But let's not get sidetracked. Bob's Big Boy was a chain. And it's famed, of course, for the big boy statue out in front of each. The pudgy little guy and the Red and white overalls holding up the hamburger. It's a great image. It's one that is perfect for the 1930s being referenced in the 1950s. We saw a lot of that sort of stuff happening. In fact, you could also say that the 50s and 60s were referencing the 30s more than any other decade, with the possible exception of the 1890s. But again, let's not get sidetracked. The sort of the swooping roof, the use of non-symmetrical form all made for mid-century modern style particularly here you had of course a roof but more importantly you had the sign the sign clearly spoke of mid-century modern even when i was a kid they in the 80s early 80s they hadn't updated the sign what bob's big boy was though was a early example of what today we would call a family restaurant it had good food not great food, not super spectacular food, not nuanced food, but good food. The prices were relatively good. I've been collecting big boy menus and other menus as well, and they actually are on the lower end. They're famous for their hamburger, which to this day is one of the things that identifies what a hamburger is for me. It's the taste of biting into a big boy hamburger very much informed what my thought of a good hamburger was. Because I mean. I knew the McDonald's hamburger, even the Whopper a little bit. I didn't really get a lot of Whoppers when I was a kid. It wasn't until it became 99 cents. But the image of Bob's Big Boy, to me, is my favorite meal of all time. It's a Coke and a water with the fisherman's platter, which was a fried piece of cod, I think three scallops and four shrimp, all battered and deep fried, and French fries. It was so good. And, of course, you would get tartar sauce with it. And it was okay. But cocktail sauce, that's the way to go. And then to finish off the meal, you had the world-famous hot fudge cake. And at the time was a square patty of ice cream, vanilla ice cream, between two devil's food cakes and then whipped cream, a cherry. I don't think there were nuts. I still think this is my favorite meal of all time. I've eaten around the world. Okay, here, England, Canada, Ireland. It's still my favorite meal. It's the one that I... I think of when I think of what would be the best thing to have right now. And sadly, Big Boy's been gone since, I think, 86? was replaced by Flames, which kept the building design, which is utterly key because, like I said, it had to stand, not necessarily in opposition to, but it had to stand out from the Winchester house. And to a degree, the domes. There was a architectural marker required to be in that area really an important concept something that is often forgotten that area was architecturally significant the town and country across the street had a very specific look a town and country look in fact but the bobs was very very clear and when it became flames they changed the inside they made it much more tropical uh the carpeting in particular was was bold <laughs> it was a bold statement but the whole thing the whole presentation was in direct opposition of Bob's. The portions were gigantic, particularly the portions of uh, cakes and pies. They were huge. But they still had this place that had a very architecturally significant statement made. A statement of mid-century modernism that was then advanced. External, you were in 1955, 1963, somewhere in there. Internally, you were very much in 1992 which was great when it was first opened, I think, in 89. So what are you going to do? Bob's left, flames came, then flames closed, I believe, in 2015, maybe 2014. And now it's been torn down and there's an office building in its place, a drab, plain box office building. This is the problem with modern construction theory. When we don't see value in architecture of the near past, this is very much the same as in the 20s and 30s, getting rid of all the buildings from the mm, up to about the 1880s. And then in the 50s when, and 60s, when the mid-century modern started to move in, knocking down as many Victorian buildings as you could. Now we're seeing that with the mid-century modern. The thing is, right now, for the most part, we don't have an architectural voice, at least not a single architectural voice, and that makes it so much harder to identify with this place. Also, it just makes anything that's going to come bumping up against the Winchester House completely inadequate, architecturally. That's sad to me. What are you going to do? Thanks for listening to White Unclass. I'm Chris Garcia. Next episode, more ghost content. I promise.